there's so much love and light on the other side. It's not fear, it's love on the other side. Love is the biggest thing. I remember these angelic beings around me and they were so tender. And that's what it is, is that there's love and tenderness on the other side. I'm Deborah Jarvis, and you are listening to The Final Say, Conversations with People Facing Death. This is the podcast where you can get comfortable talking about death and learn some things about life from people who are facing death. In this episode, I'm talking to Juliana Fodera, who has died 21 times. The first five of those times were the day she was born because she was born with Noonan syndrome. Noonan syndrome is a genetic disorder that can cause all different kinds of problems. So I'll let Juliana tell you a bit about that. I was born in 1981, so it was well before all the advanced technology of being able to diagnose things in utero. I had to be resuscitated five times the day I was born. My dad loves telling the story about how the, he was in the room when I was delivered and they flipped me upside down. It's a girl. We need to go take care of her. And off I went. I had a lot of medical complications. I had septicemia. Both my lungs were collapsed. Heart stuff, kidney stuff, everything just kind of went uh, awry. With Noonan's, it's such a gamer roulette because you're not really sure how it's going to impact the baby. Not every baby makes it. It impacted me really physically more than anything else. And the emotional, psychological impact came with the physical impact because of all the hospitalizations. As I grew older, some things sorted themselves out. Some things, my heart got more complicated. So I had to have my right kidney finally removed when I was 29. Because um, it just crapped out. It wasn't until college I got more active. I started, I was dancing the five rhythms. I was walking on campus. It was becoming, and I noticed one day I'm walking up the steps to my class. And I'm like, man, I'm tired. And I, I felt like I was going to black out. And I'm like, all right, I'm just out of shape. So I go to class. Nothing happens. Come to find out I had four atrial septal defects. So they go in, I got to have like emergency. It was, it was deemed emergency cardiac surgery. I remember asking, okay, so what are the percentages? I want to know whether, and the cardiac surgeon, beautiful, beautiful man. He said to me, Juliana, I'm not going to lie. It's 20% of you having a stroke, 50% of you having a heart attack. And there's a 50% chance we're not going to be able to resuscitate you. Okay. I woke up with a very foul mouth after the open heart surgery. I basically woke up, lifted up the sheet, and I said, where's my dick? I want to see my dick. And my mom is laughing. The, the, the nurse anesthetist is laughing. The student nurse looks terrified. And my father's laughing and trying to calm me down. Lots of people wake up with delirium after anesthesia. Not everyone wakes up with that exact question. However, I thought it was best to probably move on from that. So I asked Juliana, when she wakes up every day, does she think about death? And if so, what are her spiritual beliefs around death? I'm a natural medium. So I already communicate with spirit. It's like uh, the joke of the running gag in my family is that I got one foot in this world and one foot in the spirit world. 
had a parallel experience where my physical body has been here. And after I had the open heart surgery, the next day I had a grand mal seizure. I completely flatlined. I coded and um, I felt them resuscitate me. So while that was happening, I was on the other side and my uncle met me and Hmm. uh, my dad's brother, who was 44 when he died, uh, and he died of a heart attack. So we're in the hospital cafeteria and he's sitting there. His hair was braided and he was in a hospital gown and he met me with a glass of bourbon. And I was like, is this it? And I'm in my hospital gown and I'm like, oh, my God, you know, and we were, come on, man, let me come through. I was like, I want to come play. It was like Basically, my physical body was in the physical world and my spirit body was in the spiritual realm. Hmm. And so I kind of like found the exit and I was like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to escape somehow. And as I was running, I felt this insane pressure and I was like, I can't catch my breath and and I felt myself be breathed back into my body and back into my and it's a very painful experience really yeah it's happens as you feel your breath hitch like it is of where I was in the spiritual realm I could feel myself go back in were so you I made bummed to, to come back into your body or were you happy to be back on this side I was like, I couldn't figure out what my mission was. And my uncle said to me, you got to go back for your dad. You got to go back for Peter. You got to go back for my brother. And I was like, all right. I was like, I will go back. So when I woke up, I was like, what am I still doing here? This was really intriguing to me. So I asked Juliana if she felt like her personality was intact. Yeah, it was very much so when, when I experienced parallel existence. Parallel universe. My physical body was in the physical world. My spirit body was in the spirit world. So I was very well aware of my entire being. My personality was intact. I was intact. So it was like everything. There was nothing disoriented or disconnected. And the guy who met me, he was really young. And he said, come on, we got to go catch the next train. And I was like, what are you talking about? And we were running toward the train and all at once I felt my breath hitch and I went, ow, I can't breathe. And he goes, come on. And I myself be resuscitated. I Ah. actually watched myself be resuscitated. And my, it was like back in the body, out, back in the body, out, back in the body. And I was like, I can't breathe. And in the spirit world, I couldn't breathe because my spirit was being breathed back in the body. That time it was a train. So what other modes of transportation have you experienced? And when I was 11, I had complications from a very complex urinary surgery. And it was of no fault of anybody that did the surgery. Um, started to hemorrhage. And I watched myself bleed out. So mom was staying in the room with me at the time. My dad was, mom, I think I peed myself. And she pulled back the sheet and it was just my life force. So she down and passed out. They came in to do my vitals. And in that moment, I was 11 years old and I said to them, Go take care of her. Don't worry about me. Let them check her over because I couldn't deal with the idea of this doing her in. Right. And so at that point, did you cross over or? I started to leave. I started to leave. I started to, I I actually felt my spirit started to go. It was like kind of weird. Like I left, came back in and it was like a liftoff. It was more like a (laughs) like trying to hold and it was spirit was like slipping out my body was like okay wait don't go yet you walk around now in your daily life do you ever think wow I could drop dead any minute I mean do you feel like you're facing death every day 
oh, I could go in my sleep. My heart could just kick sure. out. You know, my kidney. I often think like, wow, what do I leave behind if I die? My brother and my dad are mom passed away in 2018 from cancer. And that was really, that was not an easy thing. The beauty in it though, was that I was able to be a part of her care. So to be able to give care to her back after she did so much was such a beautiful, like as hard as it was and as challenging and as painful as it was to watch her, it was the idea of being able to give back to this woman that gave so much. Having crossed over several times and having it be kind of wonderful, mm -hmm. do you think it's made you more fearless in your life? It's made me appreciate life and it's made me want to live the best quality of life possible. It's wanted me to stay as present in the moment as possible. It's one of these things where it's like, oh, okay, so I can keep myself safe. Let's see what we can do. And I've made a life for myself. And that's what it is. It's like, I, I, I love life. Like living a lot longer than all my doctors ever anticipate. I want to make the most out of my life. I don't want to be on my deathbed going, you know, I really regret X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I want it to be like, I think it did pretty good. <laughs> that's where I want to be at. I want to be at. Juliana had multiple surgeries. And I know from talking to many patients and having surgery myself that it's traumatic to have any kind of surgery. As my brother-in-law, the surgeon, always says, there's no such thing as a small surgery. Because even if you're having surgery to save your life, your body remembers it as trauma. In 2015, they finally diagnosed me with medical PTSD. They were like, Juliana, you probably had this since you were a baby. And I'm like, well, that makes sense because I will taste anesthesia. I could hear like clinking of like medical instruments. I would like have these like memories. And I'm like, what is going on? And then the weirdest thing would happen. And this would happen class in high school and class in college. And it still happens to this day where I will feel gaping holes in my body. Like I'm open and my heart is one of the biggest spots. I've been working with a trauma therapist because it's not that I don't trust the medical profession. It's just that I've had them say everything is fine and then turn around and I'm sitting on an OR table. It's been, you know, working through a lot of being manhandled, being like multiple, multiple people just touching me and like futzing with me and having your dignity surrendered at a very early age is very, very profound. I had a lot of abdominal pelvic surgeries. Mm -hmm. So I had people in places I really didn't want people in places in. But because they had to fix what they were fixing, I had to, you know, kind of surrender to the process. Yeah. And trauma specialist I'm working with has been beautiful with me. She's really helped me to work through a lot of stuff. And those of us that have been through extreme circumstances as children and are aging, you know, especially those of us with Noonan syndrome and our parents have watched us have to be intubated, extubated drains, tubes, all these surgeries, all these procedures, dressing changes, pain. Um, it's traumatizing for the parents. It's traumatizing for the family. Yeah. You know, when I was born, 
my brother was going to sibling classes and he couldn't wait to be a brother. Like it was like, I was like the best things in sliced bread that was about to come. You know, my parents came home and your sister is very sick, but they're taking, the doctors are taking care of her. And they actually brought my brother to the hospital mm. to see me in the incubator. Mm. And I just could imagine how scared that must have been for him. It's, I've always felt like not a burden, but an impingement on everything. Because, like, my, my health has disrupted so many things. Like, it's disrupted vacations. It's disrupted, you know, it disrupted the family dynamic. I asked Juliana about her spiritual beliefs, what she was raised to believe, and what she believes now from an Italian Catholic background. So it wasn't until I made my confirmation and I started to just not agree what a lot of the church was talking about at that uh, time. Yeah, yeah. So it was a lot of like, you had to go to church. God didn't hear your prayers. God didn't like bad behavior. God, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't, it's not the God I believe in. Like, what? Right. why is it got to be all men? Like, where are the women in this picture? Where's my in one of the classes? And he said, you have to be in the church because otherwise... God won't hear your prayers. And I go and I ask the priest, because this was the catechism teacher. This wasn't the priest that said that. And I said, I got a question. All those times I'm praying from the hospital bed as a sick kid, God didn't hear it. He said, no, Juliana. He goes, we often go, the brothers often go for walks in the woods. And that's how we communicate with God. And I'm like, okay. I said, just heads up. Be careful what you're saying. It was like, oh, the difference between religion and spirituality is that religion is based on doctrine, where spirituality is based on spirit. What gives you the most joy in your day now? Actually being gainfully employed. It's this day and age being somebody with a disability. The rate of disabilities who don't have a job is 80%. I'm actually grants manager for a 501c3 nonprofit that provides competitive and inclusive employment to people with disabilities. And we are known as the Prospector. We're located right here in Richfield. And we have the Prospector Theater and Prospector Popcorn. And we actively are working to just include people with disabilities in the workplace and show how important it is that Everybody can work. Everybody deserves a chance at having a job and being a part of an active life. And I love my job because I'm educating and advocating for something I feel very passionate about. It's more about showing the world how capable people with disabilities are when given a chance. Mm -hmm. And they don't look at their disability, but they look at their ability and they look at actually what they can accomplish. and. One of the things that I found is that I kept just excelling and I didn't expect this to happen, but I'm actually using my degree in community health. Like I'm applying some of the principles and some of the work I've done. And like, I just love what I'm doing. And I, I love it because it's getting to push myself in a direction I didn't expect to go. I asked Juliana what her greatest joy was and then I also asked her what her biggest fear was. My biggest fear was being misunderstood. Some people think like I come off as having an attitude 
really it's like sometimes it's like no i'm dealing with a little bit of pain and that's why i'm cranky i just don't want to talk about the pain and i'm cranky and i'm sorry that it's coming out did you ever ask what my pain level is today Juliana's last question, man, that stopped me in my tracks. Have you ever considered my pain level? She was talking about her physical pain, but of course we experience all kinds of pain, emotional, mental, spiritual. So I found myself thinking, what if the next time I find myself with someone who I think is cranky or annoying, instead of getting all judgy about them, I stopped and asked myself, Hmm, I wonder what your pain level is today. And I think it would be just as helpful when I find myself being irritable or unforgiving to ask myself, what is my pain level today? Because softening toward ourselves makes it easier to soften to other people. anything else you want to say there's so much love and light on the other side and there are people on the other side who have crossed before you there are spirit guides there are you know there's a lot of energy there's a lot of tenderness and there are people who are crossing over at the same time as you in other places so it's not like you're necessarily alone it's not fear it's love on the other side like love is the biggest thing death is just the shift of the actual substance of a person so even though their physical isn't there anymore Mm -hmm. their spirit is still very much alive be curious Ah. if i can say anything be curious because it's not what you think it's gonna be it's not some scary like you know a grim reaper coming after you and be open be curious death is not to be feared that's the biggest fault in our society is that we're so afraid of like that's gonna be it and it's like no your spirit continues on you have other work to do so here's my final say for today Be curious. I think that's great advice, not just for facing death, but facing life. I mean, you know, going into any situation open and curious, that pretty much guarantees that if there are any gifts to be had, we will be ready to receive them. I mean, what if we can just be curious in every situation instead of afraid and contracted, you know, so we enter a situation with curiosity and wonder. And then I really do like that idea of wondering about someone's pain level when I'm about to judge them. And of course, checking in with myself about my own pain level. This has been The Final Say, Conversations with People Facing Death. Thanks for listening. This podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by me, Deborah Jarvis. And thanks to Blue Dot Sessions, who provides music. 
deep gratitude to Juliana Fodera for giving her time and her heart to this episode. She works at Prospector Theater, which is a first-run movie theater and online popcorn business. Their website is prospectortheater.org, and I'll put a link up in the transcripts of this episode. Please feel free to hop over to the finalsaypodcast.com and email me with feedback. You know, questions, ideas, stories. Are you or do you know someone who's facing death and would like to be a guest? Let me know. Let me know what you thought of today's episode or how you're doing or what's up with you. And of course, I really appreciate you leaving a review wherever you get your podcast because that helps a lot to get more people listening to these amazing stories. So thanks again for listening, and I hope you find beauty and joy in your day-to-day. And, you know, I had my final say, but I'm going to let Juliana have the last word. How am I going to go out? Like, is it going to be some stupid accident? Like, I slip and fall in the shower, and I'm like, God, I hope not, because that would just be embarrassing after everything (laughs) I've been through, and that's what does me in. There she is, slipped and fell in the shower, you know. 